How many of you have ever seen the movie The Last of the Mohicans? Yeah, that's about 20 years old, so spoiler alert, I'm going to give away the end of the film, but uh, yeah, that was an amazing film, actually. It's, a, it's not really for kids. There's, there's some gory stuff in there that I wouldn't, you know, some adults would have trouble handling, but you get the, the backdrops, the French and Indian War, you remember that one, um, just like yesterday, right? And uh, you, had, uh, you had two uh, Native American tribes, you had the Hurons and the Mohicans, and the Mohicans were aligned with the American uh, people and, and the Brits, and then you had the Huron that were with the French. And uh, among those Huron, there was Magua. You hear that in the just sound. He's the evil guy, Magua. He was, he was a bad dude. Like, you did not want to mess, mess with Magua. And, and this all plays itself out, and there's all kinds of murder and mayhem and battles and so forth. But at the very end of the movie, they're up on this mountain, and there's Magua, and he's fighting the second to last Mohican because um, he kills that guy. Um, and it just so happened the guy he kills, the brave that he kills, has this British... We'll call her a fiance. It wasn't very formal, but anyway. So she's standing there, and they battle, and she loses her love. And there's Magua, and he's like reaching out. He's, he's going to take her. And, uh, and she looks over the edge of the cliff, and she just steps off. She's not going to be taken captive. Now, I'm not for suicide. I'm not holding suicide up as a great you know, thing that we should uh, imitate, but... Honestly, like, we don't want to be taken captive. There's, there, there's a kind of a, a resolute uh, bravery in that act. And, and we, too, we want to be very, very aware that we not be taken captive. That's the big idea today. Paul is concerned for the Colossians. We've been talking about this pretty much all the way from the beginning when we started the book. We've been looking toward, like, why was the book written? What's it about? And Paul, of course, is writing about these false teachers, which we're getting to. We're right on, we're right, really kind of on top of it right now. And here he says today that we are not to be taken captive. So there's the big idea. Don't let yourself be taken spiritually captive. This was not only true in the time of the Colossians. It's been true ever since. Paul writes this a lot. To the Galatians, he wrote something very similar. He said, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. So that's how we ought to think about it. I don't know whether you, average Christian sitting in the pew, whether you think this way or not. As a pastor, I have to think this way. I have to be vigilant. The other day I was writing an email to someone, and in it I, I recounted all, and this was just off the top of my head, all of the things that have come along just in the course of the 30-some years that I've been a pastor, and all of the different movements, and, and, and things that were really off, really off, and, and people should have recognized them almost immediately, and sometimes it would take, oh, I don't know, sometimes it would take a year for that, you know, there'd be the book highlighted at the local Christian bookstore on the end cap. Oh, look at this book, you know. And a year later, pretty much most of evangelical Christians had caught up with the fact that this was not the gospel and that these people were not trustworthy. Now, I tell you this, I say this because it's in the text, but I also say it to you because I can't always be with you. You know, I, I've, I feel like I've done what, what, as a pastor, I should do and must do, which is try, try to oversee the flock of God and, and keep you protected. But I won't always be with you. Like Paul, I'll be with you in spirit. But um, yeah, I, I want you to be personally responsible. You know, there'll be a pastor that will follow me 
Um, but you too, you as a, as a lay person, you're responsible not to be taken captive. Be, be aware. We're going to look at this today. Don't be, first of all, don't be captive by anyone. Don't be taken captive by anyone. Paul, Paul writes, see to it that no one takes you captive. And it might be silly or seem silly to drill down just on that little word, uh, you know, one or someone. The word literally means someone or anyone. You remember the Heffalump song from Winnie the Pooh? Beware, 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 beware. All right? We need to beware because, whether it's a heffalump or a woozle, someone <laughs> or anyone may come. And, that, and, 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 and I'm being completely serious. It, it, it could be anyone. Paul could have mentioned the name of the person or persons that he had in mind. He knew who they were. Some people think that he was actually in kind of a subtle way saying, I know who you are, someone. You know, and that the Colossians would have read it that way. I'm kind of glad that for our sake he didn't even bother mentioning the name. Because for us then, it leaves that question open, doesn't it? We're not looking back at some just historical name going, well, at least we don't have to deal with uh, Arius or whoever, or Pelagius or somebody like that. Uh, you know, we don't, we don't have to think that. It's anyone. You say, anyone? How anyone is anyone? Anyone. You're like, okay, let me give you an example of this. Paul writes to the Galatians. You want to see how broad the possibilities of anyone would be? Look at this. There are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Understand, that's what's going to happen. They're going to distort the gospel of Christ. That's where the rubber meets the road. You can have people that are a little off, but we're talking about distorting the gospel. But even if we... Or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you. Let him be accursed. So how big is that anyone? It's pretty broad. You're saying an angel of heaven fits the description of an anyone? If that angel is distorting the gospel, then yeah, anyone. Here in Colossians, it's simply anyone. You know, my first year of college, I had a, I had a Greek uh, professor, and of course, you, I was at a Christian school. Who would, who would you expect to hear good stuff from but the, the New Testament Greek scholar? And I remember him telling our class that the Bible was full of contradictions. Anyone, anyone. I had a pastor once that basically said the same sort of thing. Anyone. It, 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 you know, and how many popular teachers have there been who've come along and they're the, they're the flavor of the day, they're the next great thing, they sell millions of books, and, uh, and for a while it seems like they're solid. I can think of a guy that we, just a few years ago, we used this one thing in our ABF, it was a, like a marriage thing, and the guy seemed solid, I, you know, I didn't have any problem with the material, we used it for 10 weeks or something, and... Um, and then, I don't know, it probably, probably close to 10 years went by, and all at once, you know, he popped up in the news. And he, you could just tell that either he'd always been one thing and just given himself off differently, or he had just moved, but he was no longer a solid teacher, not someone that you could trust. I wouldn't go near his material now for, for all the tea and shine it. Know the gospel, know the Bible, know the Christ that the Bible presents. Hear his voice, know his voice, be able to thereby spot those things which are not of him and don't line up with the Christ of the Scripture. And it, again, anyone, 
don't let the fact that something is on the end cap of the local Bible store just be the end of the conversation for you. You need to stay aware. You need to stay aware. Paul could say, even if I come and bring you something different, then let me be accursed. So, anyone. Don't be taken by empty philosophy. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, when Paul says philosophy here, he's not talking about the discipline of philosophy. I think a Christian, if, if they're so inclined, if you've got a mind for philosophy, which is almost like trying to understand calculus. It's, it, when you drill, it gets, it gets really, you know, it's like if universe A pertains and then B within that, then, then the outcome will either be C or E. It's, it's horrible. Um, but if you like that sort of thing, go for it. Like, I don't think that's what Paul's talking about here. I don't think he's talking about the academic rigor of, of philosophy per se. He's talking about empty, vain almost superstitious kind of religiosity, of religious thought. Listen to what he says to Timothy, and I think this kind of kneels it down a little bit. He says, Oh, Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. What's the deposit? The gospel, the faith, the gospel of Christ. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. So this, 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 this empty philosophy that Paul is talking about is contrary and opposite to that which is accepted, clear, biblical teaching concerning Christ. It will set itself in some way over and against that sort of thing. Think of something like a course on miracles. How many have ever heard of the course on miracles? Yeah, a couple of you. It, this has kind of gone away. Um, oddly enough, the woman that, that promulgated the Course on Miracles is running for president, Marianne Williamson. Yeah. Um, but she, she was pushing this back in the 80s and 90s, Course on Miracles. It was written by Helen Shuckman, who claimed to have revelation. She was hearing from various spirits and from Jesus and whatnot, and she was writing all of these revelations out uh, for people to read, and it sounded Christian on the surface. Like she definitely intentionally took biblical words. So you might read the word redemption or something like that in her material, and you think, oh yeah, just a Christian. No. <laughs> like nothing of the kind. It was just, it was just neo-Orthodox, ne well not even neo-Orthodox, neo-Gnostic, New Age gobbledygook. Absolutely radioactive, not for a Christian to go anywhere near. But that's what it's going to look like. It's kind of empty philosophy. It's just babble. It's just, it's, it's, it's just babbling nonsense when you compare it to the Scripture. See, you need to know the Scripture so that we, when you look at these things, you go, um, no, that doesn't, smell, that doesn't pass the smell test. Something is off. I'm smelling something rank here. Paul gives three according to's in there that kind of help define what the empty philosophy looks like. So, uh, first of all, it, it, this empty philosophy is according to human tradition. Jesus accused the Pharisees of that very same thing. He says, you hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, here it goes, teaching as doctrines, meaning the word of God, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. 
I've had interesting conversations with Mormons. Now, there's a teaching that is of human tradition and not of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. They come to your door, and how could two such good-looking young men be possibly peddling falsehoods? Uh, you just see how bright and chipper they are. It must be good stuff. But you start talking to them, and, uh, and, and I've taken, I've shared this before, but I've taken to asking them, a rather specific kind of question. I say, okay, and I, I'll tell them the gospel. I'll say, now here's what a biblical Christian believes. I'll tell them the gospel, and then I'll say, okay, now you tell me what is insufficient in that gospel to save my soul. And it's interesting. They, they haven't heard that question before, and they kind of go for a little bit, and then they go, in both cases, two different sets of Mormon missionaries. I got the same answer in both cases. Well, we have a prophet. We have a human living prophet who's still able to speak the word of God, new words of God. And I'm like, yes, and contradict previous uh, prophets as well, right? And they're like, uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're allowed to do that and so forth. They say, well, why do I want that? That's just human tradition. You look at another cult, they've got their own translation of the Bible. They don't even have Greek scholars that created that. They just, they just changed it. They just arbitrarily changed the word to, to, to say what they wanted it to say. But you know, when I, think of, uh, when I think of human tradition, I think one of the worst is what we're all up against right now in America, which is the PC orthodoxy. Doesn't it feel like religious thought? The way people hold to, to political correctness and, and the so-called truths of political correctness, it might as well be a statement of faith because they hold to it that way. And if you say anything contrary to that, if you quote the Bible that speaks contrary to that, you are not welcome. A couple of weeks ago, there was a, a lady that you may have seen the clip. How many saw the clip of the Sparkle Creed? Yeah, the lady, she's all dressed. She looked very holy. She had on those, all those, I never get to wear those, those vestments, they call them. And she was standing behind the communion table, and she looked very serious about everything. But then she, she proceeded to recite what she called the Sparkle Creed. And it had to do with Jesus having two dads, and it was, you, get, you get the idea. Very rainbowish, and, uh, and, and that's what passes in some churches for the faith. It's human tradition. Be wary. If someone is confusing the word of God you know, and twisting it and reimagining it and turning it into that which is, is, is essentially human thought and human belief today, run. Run. Whether, that is dis- whether they do it to discourage you or silence you, one thing is for sure, it's, it's, a, it's demonic and it's seeking to take you captive. And here's the sad thing, brothers and sisters. It is taking some people captive, and you know that. You have known people who confess Christ, and they have come around at least on some of these things and said, you know, I know what the Bible says, but you know, everyone today keeps saying, you just fill it in, whichever one of those new truths it is. Living with one another before marriage, that sort of thing. Christians used to say that was wrong because the Bible says it's wrong, but how can so many people be wrong? How dare we? Well, 
you're, you're, you're exchanging human tradition. Just because it's popular among humans does not make it right. Okay, I've, I've spent enough time. Next, the next according to. According to elemental spirits of the world. There are two ways to understand the words elemental spirits. It's a, it's a little harder to define than it looks like at first. Because elemental spirits can be used, in, in Greek, the term here, can be used to mean demons. So demons, false gods, principalities and powers, elemental spirits. But it can also be used, rightly, to define elemental, philosophic kinds of religious principles. Okay? So it's a, little, it's a little hard to define at first. Now, if we look at Colossians 2.20, which we're going to be there very soon, probably another 10 weeks, but at the rate I'm going, but, you know, it's, it's not that far. It says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits, the same, same term, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations like do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts, there's a human thing again, and teachings. Now, in that case, it sounds very much like elemental spirits are those principles, doesn't it? Now, I'm going to do a cop-out here, because, um, you know, you, when you're a Bible interpreter, you're supposed to try to nail it down really solid, so if you say it's both, you kind of sound like you're, yeah, like you're taking the easy way, but I kind of see, I think both are at work here. I really do. Look at what Paul says to Timothy, and, and look and see if you don't see the same two ideas, but coming together. Okay, here it is. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Now, which, you know, now which category does that fall into? Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So which is it? Is it demons here or is it the elemental principles? Yes, it's both, right? It is absolutely. Both of those things are happening. You've got the demonic spirits at work, but then how does that work itself out? Works itself out in all of these. What you would think, it's so elemental because all religions and all religious thought always kind of comes back to, well, if I do this and I don't do that, and I keep this and I don't eat that, then I'll be, I'll be good and it'll all be the way it should be. Let me give you an example, just and we, because it's, it's so human, it's so basic to how we think. How many of you like sports in contrast to Jay? Yes, a couple of you, okay. Like if a baseball player starts hitting a slump, and, but, but then one day he goes out and for whatever reason the slump's gone and he knocks the ball over the back fence and he wore a different pair of socks that day, what's he going to do for the rest of the season? Yeah, right? Because, oh, Oh, so the spirits of baseball are paying attention to my socks. I'll just keep. And we've all done it. I had, as a kid, I had this, and, and I think most kids do. You probably even had the same rules. I lived in a haunted house, as you know, and um, purportedly haunted house. And um, how many had this rule? <laughs> Why is it that we believed that if the covers came to our neck, you can't touch me. 
It's just the rules. Ghosts, ghosts can't touch. Monsters can't touch. If you wake up in the middle of the night and the cover is down to about waist level, oh my goodness, like you get shivers all over. Like, how did they not get me? <laughs> get them back up there. Ha, you missed. If your hand dangles over the side of the bed and you wake up and you realize that it's exposed to that underneath side where the monsters live, it's like, how did I survive? If it's up, if it's up in the bed, off limits. I had a really elaborate one. I don't want to spend too much time here, but just to get, give you an idea of how our brains think. The bathroom in this old haunted house of mine was the, at the furthest reaches of civilization. It was, it, you, you went up the stairs, two, you know, two flights or yeah, half flight, whatever you say, landing up, down a hallway, past both. We didn't have one attic. We had two attics, doors to both of them. You had to pass through that little narrow way to get to the furthest end. The only way out would have been to jump out the second floor window. And, uh, and that's, that's where things had to happen. And um, so every day you'd go up there multiple times, which is always scary. But so, I, so I had a deal with the ghosts, I thought, and that was that if I flushed the toilet, and I made it to the landing before the flapper dropped and it went clunk. You know that loud clunk? Couldn't touch me. <laughs> I kid you not, I would love to have a video of me as a kid because I would fly down that hallway, jump all the stairs down to the landing, big bang, and then I'd listen. Thunk. Lived another day, right? <laughs> that was... You're like, why are you going on and on and on? I just, all I'm trying to do is get across the fact, this is it, why is it elemental? It is elemental because we think we can control the universe. We think we can control uh, you know, all these realms of unseen things like fate and luck and chance and, and all of that. And if your Christian faith resembles that more than the Word of God, then you're not thinking rightly. That is, the, that is inherent, an inherent aspect of what you will see with false teaching. And the final according to here is not according to Christ. When a false teacher seeks to capture you, the tip-off, it should be pretty obvious, is this, you know, you've got this man-made tradition, you've got these elemental principles and spirits, but more than anything, they are trying to take you away from Christ. In whatever form it takes, when I say take you away from Christ, no... Very few of them are going to say, hey, buddy, let's just get you away from Jesus. That's the best thing for you. Nobody does that. They never come at it quite, quite that, that way. But, but what they imply by their teaching is, oh, yeah, Jesus, sure, yeah. But, right, with Jesus, alongside of Jesus, along with the gospel, you need this. You need this practice. You need this thing. Paul's dominant thought throughout the book of Colossians, throughout the New Testament, but here in Colossians is this. Rituals are not the substance. Visions are not the substance. Harsh treatment of the body, denial of the body, these are not the substance. Man's ideas, man's philosophies, they aren't the core. The substance is built on Christ. Christ is the substance. Christ is the gospel. Christ is our hope. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. It all, it all must come back to him and flow from him, or it isn't genuine Christian faith. To boil it down to an earlier statement, look at what Paul said just a few verses earlier. God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's nothing for us outside of him. 
I mean, there's other scripture. There's the Old Testament and so forth, and there are moral teachings in the Bible and all, all those kinds of things. But understand, they support and point to and flow from Jesus Christ. Let's talk about some movements that might come along. You know, there's no predict. I, I'm trying to get you ready, you know, because there, there'll, be there'll be a day. And uh, in that day, uh, you know, where, when I'm somewhere else, I, I just want you to understand movements will come. And they come frequently. They come in, in, in waves. It, it feels like we don't know what the next thing down the pike will look like. Who knows? It might be, hey, and this would be an old idea made new, but it might be, hey, you know, as a Christian, you have to live in community. You have to live, you know, you have to share everything in common and so what you have and join together like the Amish or the Hutterites or whatever other group it might be. And that's the, what it means to be a good Christian. You know, and I'm not against Christian community. If people want to join, for, you know, they're, that's fine. That's, that's great. But if, if it comes along in the form of, hey, you got to do this in order to be a good Christian, you got to really, implication, you have to have this for salvation. It's Jesus, sure, but it's also this. Or people might come along and say, the only way you can be a true Christian is if you have a huge family. Or the only way you can be a true Christian is if you choose to have only one child and drive a Prius because, you know, Mother Earth and all that kind of thing. It, we, we don't know what kind of form it will take, but what we know is that in every case there will be that subtle shift away from Christ as the very substance of our faith. It will be Christ plus this and this and this thing that you need to do. Or who knows what bad things will happen to you. In verse 9, Paul extends his reasons why Christ has to be the focus. He says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells. Christ has to be the substance and the focus because all we need is in Christ. All we need is in Christ. In him the fullness of deity dwells. Think about the whole conversation of what we're going into the context of what's really being spoken of here. We're not talking about the rules of chess. You know, or the rules of bridge. We were talking about that in our ABF today, the rules of bridge. Uh, it's not about that. It's not about grow, how to grow good vegetables or, any, or the laws of physics. We're talking here, the whole context is about a right knowledge of God, how to know God, how to be right with God, how to be reconciled to Him, how to, how to be saved. And Christ is sufficient because in Him all the fullness of deity dwells. You have all the wrong views like those of the false teachers and then there is Christ. It really comes down to that. You got all these weird, screwy ideas, course on miracles, insert whatever weird thing that is, and you have Christ in whom the fullness of deity dwells. Do you see how unfair it really is for biblical Christians? It's so unfair for us that we, because we have Christ who is the fullness of God. What do you bring up against that? I was trying to think of an app comparison, and I couldn't come up with a single really good one, but I'm going to give them all to you anyway. So um, if you try to compare these two things, it would be like having a coupon, an expired coupon for a box of Band-Aids versus getting state-of-the-art health care and a heart transplant at, 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 the, at the best heart um, hospital in America. That's, that's the comparison, Right? We have Christ. We have, we have his fullness. It's like driving by a pet store that's been out of business for 10 years and getting a puppy on Sunday morning. It's like the difference between seeing a picture, a faded picture in an old magazine of a, of a bride versus 
seeing your wife, your wife-to-be come walking down you know, the, the aisle on, on your actual wedding day. It's like being, uh, it's, see, I st- I've got a lot of these, just not, none of them are that great. Um, it's like the village idiot explaining all there is to know about the universe and the stars and the planets, including the green cheese that, that is the moon, and, uh, versus getting on a faster-than-light spaceship and, and cruising through the galaxies. There's just, there's just no comparison Why would we exchange one for the other? Christ is the substance because he is the son of God, the second person of the Trinity. The false teachers, you know, they would give you hope that, oh, if you do all these little things and you keep all these rules, and 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 then maybe out of the peripheral vision in your eye, you'll see an angel pass by. And I hate to say this, but among Christians, I don't know what it is. But I do hear Christians sometimes going, Oh, I know a guy who had a dream and he, and he saw an angel. Oh, that's so exciting. Really? Compared to Christ, who we've come to know through the gospel, that's small potatoes. That's nothing. What, what, what can they offer us? Because in him, not only does the deity dwell, but, it, but God dwells bodily. Jesus took on our flesh. He walked in our midst. He tabernacled with us. The writer of Hebrews says, Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. John says, We beheld his glory. The glory as, as of that of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. In his letter, John says, This, this is the one that we saw and we heard and we touched Jesus, God, in the flesh. How do you compete with that? How do empty philosophies take you captive once you've seen that? Why, why would you exchange the one for the other? That's like you know, selling the family cow for you know, magic beans or whatever the case may be. Why? How is it that Christians get duped by that? And yet every person sitting here, if you've been a Christian for very long, either at some time you almost got pulled into that or you've known someone who has. The other day, Deb and I got to see the movie The Sound of Freedom. Anyone here see The Sound of Freedom? Hard movie to watch. Yeah, very good movie. I mean, it, it portrays something that's very... Very scary, and that's the human trafficking, human sex trafficking, and, and not to give too much away about the movie except the beginning and the end, but um, in the beginning of the movie, the, the guy, there's, there's a father, both of his children, two, you know, a little boy, a little girl, get captured by these people. He gets hoodwinked, he thinks they're going to this thing, when he goes to pick them up, they're gone, they've been, they've been sold. And so by the end of the movie, it's the, it's, it's the fact that they're rescued, and, and you know, Praise the Lord, at least the way the, the, the film depicted, they, they were rescued. But it gets you thinking, what would you do as a parent to keep your child from being taken by a sex trafficker? Or to get them back? Better question would be, what wouldn't you do? Murder? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Murder's on the table. If it's my kid, and, and, yeah. I mean, I'm so, we would do anything for our children to, to protect them, to prevent them from harm. And, and, and so as I'm preaching this, I don't want you to think, oh, Jay, you know, he's, he's really worked up. He's belligerent. He's, a, he's, 
he's getting kind of feisty up there, or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm, not a, I'm a lover, not a fighter, but um, when it comes to things like this, when it comes, you know, Jesus talked about, and I think he was talking about false teachers and people that draw people away from the faith, when he said it would be better for that person, the one that draws one of these little ones away, it would be better for him if he had a millstone tied around his neck and was dropped into the heart of the sea. And that's how I feel, too. Like, I, I, I want you guys to be safe. Beware, beware. There will be certain someones. I wish it weren't so. I wish it weren't so, but you know what? Just 30-some years of ministry alone tells me this happens all the time, and the Word of God tells me to, to be vigilant about it. So, you know what? That is just the way it is. That's just the way. There, there will be other flavors of the day that are going to come along. You need to be ready. Understand, though, it will be empty philosophy. It will be gobbledygook. It will be full of human traditions and elements. And con- Will they mix Christ into it somehow? Will they give passing you know, lip service to Jesus? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it will always kind of come off sounding like, yeah, the gospel, sure, blah, 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 blah. But... And it's that but, right? That's, that's where you need to pay attention. Cling to Christ. There's nothing better than knowing Christ as your Savior and being in relationship with God through Him. There is eternal life in no other name. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So cling to Him. Don't sell your soul cheaply. Do not be defrauded. Do not be taken prisoner by lesser things. And if you're not a, a Christian today, we just, we just proclaim that same old gospel to you. You've, you've probably been confused because there are all kinds of voices out there in the world and all kinds of people telling you, this is the right way, this is the right path. The path is Christ. In him, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in human flesh. God the Father sent his Son into the world to be a ransom for his people. He was put to death on the cross. He rose the third day, such that if you turn and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. You will have eternal life. So um, don't be taken captive except by Jesus because that's a good captivity. That is a freedom in captivity that you, that you want to know. It's the best thing. It's the absolute best thing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we, uh, we pray that we might cling to you. Lord, in so many ways, when it's laid out in Scripture as it is, it's pretty simple. It's, it's, it's simple enough. And yet, Lord, every day some, some new Pied Piper comes along preaching Christ wrongly, preaching him in, in, a, in an incorrect way where something is added to his work, something is put next to it as being essential. Various experiences and things are raised up above the actual gospel itself. And I pray, Lord, that you would protect your people. Pray that you'd protect every person here and that you'd keep them safe, that you would keep them safe from being taken captive, and that they would do, each one would do everything they can to be diligent in this respect. And Lord, I pray that the gospel might reach someone today, that they might hear of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you might open their eyes, that they might see him, the one in whom the fullness of deity dwells, 
and that they would turn to him and be saved. We pray it in his name. Amen.